Hello, creepy cats. Welcome to Ew, That's Creepy podcast. In this episode, Jackie is going to share the heartbreaking stories of Lori Fogelman and Joanne Clark. Both women were young school teachers who mysteriously disappeared while vacationing in the Bahamas. Please be aware that this episode will discuss violence, sexual assault, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to You That's Creepy Podcast. It's Melissa here. And it's Jackie. And in this episode, we are going to talk again about another crime case, another murder that took place on the beach because it's summer. It's a sad topic, actually, but we did want to make it something summery. Yeah, even though it is definitely not a happy story by any means. I mean, none of our stories really are. Most of them are very sad. Last episode was so tragic. I know it was. This one's pretty tragic, too. I'm not going to lie. Why did we choose this theme? <laughs> because. Because we're bad people. <laughs> yeah, but the show must go on. Agreed. So I heard about the story on an episode of Murder in Paradise. <laughs> where does I see? I don't know where they come up with the ideas for these shows. I really don't. Swamp murders. Who the bleep did I marry? I'm trying to think of other ones, but I can't think of the good ones. Of evil stepmoms. Evil twins. Fear thy neighbor. Fear thy something or other. They roommate. Some- yeah, roommate. <laughs> it's like, I know they have someone else to fear. <laughs> They'll just come up with whatever. But honestly, they're all pretty good. I like ID shows a lot. Was this show good? Murder in Paradise? Yeah, it was pretty good. It didn't have a lot of... It had, like... Didn't have the fake acting, you know? It was pretty right to the story. Oh. Okay, good. Because sometimes... Sometimes they really do too much. Their fake acting is way too much. Yeah, I agree. But this took place in the Bahamas in August 1999, or 1998, excuse me, 1998. Lori Fogelman, she was 32 years old. She was from Virginia and she taught second grade. But she was also an island girl and had lived in the Caribbean with her former husband, AJ, for three years before they separated. So in the summer of August 1998, she was going to spend the summer in the Bahamas since she was a teacher. So she had those months off. So AJ and Lori, you know, they divorced, but we'll just talk about them because... They met in high school, and then I think they kind of became more than friends uh, in college. AJ had to go to the Virgin Islands for an internship in the summer at some point, and Lori came down and lived with him for a while during that time. So I think she was very accustomed to being, you know, at exotic islands and beaches and stuff for the summers. Lucky girl. (laughs) I know, right? And it seems like her and AJ, that was like 
their thing, you know, when they were together. That was something they did when they were together. That's sweet. It is sweet. And it on the show, it was sweet because AJ talked about how when Lori got her master's, he got her a golden retriever puppy as a gift. Oh. And they had this adorable picture of Lori with the puppy, and it was so freaking cute. Aww. Yeah. That's a nice story. I know. AJ seemed like an, a really good guy on the show. And even though the two did get married, I think they were married for three years, uh, AJ said that they never got out of the college party stage. But regardless, he said it didn't work out, but they remained friends and still got along pretty well. Lori's friend Jeff was also on the show and kind of talked about Lori and his experiences and how he knew her and all that. And he said that Lori used the beach and the Bahamas as like her break from school, her stress reliever. I definitely would too. And in that summer, Lori and her friends went to the Bahamas and they were staying on a friend's boat and the friends were going to sail that boat to Maine. But Lori didn't want to leave yet, so she stayed and went to Paradise Island. That'd be kind of scary, taking it all the way to Maine. I know, I know absolutely nothing about sailing, so I don't know how far a trip that is, but I don't think I would really want to do that either. But regardless, Lori chose to stay, and she'd previously met a man in Virginia Beach named Philippe, who was from Canada, And he was working on Paradise Island as a construction worker because they were building a resort on the island. And he asked Lori to stay with him. I think he was just staying at like the Holiday Inn or um, a hotel. But when Lori's friends decided to sail the boat to Maine, she decided to stay with Philippe Mm -hmm. on Paradise Island. I think the day after Lori initially went to go stay with Philippe, he had to go back to work since he was a construction worker. So Lori was going to be on her own. And she called her mom and asked if she could use her mom's credit card to rent a car because she was going to drive around and, you know, find something to do since she's kind of on the island on her own. Mm -hmm. And she did have her mom's credit card. Her mom, Janine, said yes, and they said, I love you, and all that. Sadly, that was the last that Janine heard from her daughter, Lori. And after two days, she hadn't still hadn't heard from Lori, and she had a feeling that something was wrong. That's so horrible when you're not even in the same country as someone. Yeah. Philippe? actually called Lori and said that he had went back to his room from work and Lori wasn't there and that she hadn't came home the next morning either. And the last that he had seen her, she had said that she was going out to explore. Can he be trusted? Yeah, I don't know, honestly. (laughs) Is it Philippe? But we'll continue. Janine asked Philippe if... Lori had left her toothbrush there and Philippe said that she had and Janine knew something was wrong. She would never leave her toothbrush there if she wasn't planning to be back. Mm -hmm. Lori was missing for eight days and at that point she had missed her flight home. Her family knew at that point something was definitely wrong. The Bahamian police said that people often came to the Bahamas to disappear or just, I guess, disappeared for a while 
but they were pretty sure that she would turn up eventually. And Lori's family called hospitals around, but they didn't have any sign of Lori or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Janine called the credit card company, and they said that there was a $600 charge in Nassau the day that Lori had rented the car. And then five days after that, someone was withdrawing money from Lori's account. They said it was 200 then 50 then 20 the next day. And eventually, Lori's family turned the card off and someone attempted to use it five more times after that. Oh, my God. Could they, I imagine, did they look for CCTV footage from those locations? I mean, it's in the Bahamas. I don't really think they can like that, you know? Oh, my gosh. To make matters even worse, the car rental company called Lori's family and said that the car was, like, way past to do. Oh, no. And that Lori had not returned it. At this point, Lori's family decide that they have to go to the Bahamas for themselves and see what is going on. hmm So, AJ, Lori's ex-husband, and her brother, Jimmy, and their good friend, Richard, go to the Bahamas to kind of do their own investigation and talk to police. However, when they get there, they kind of end up being the ones who are, like, looked at suspiciously, and especially AJ. The Bahamian police know clearly that AJ is Lori's ex-husband because he tells them that, and they start accusing AJ of, like, going to the island secretly and maybe doing something to Lori. What? And being mad that Lori was staying with another guy. Okay, first of all, they could easily look at his passport records and prove that. I know. Like, he could, if he had his passport, he could probably show them. You're going to stamp every time you go somewhere. Like, what are you talking about? You're just going to throw that out there without any evidence? Yeah, and the other two, Jimmy and Richard, they said they were interviewed, you know, pretty quickly. But AJ's interview took a while. And so they kind of just, at that point, I think from the jump, realized They didn't know how much help they were going to get from the police. Wow. So they go to talk to Philippe, and he said that he went to work. He came home, and Lori wasn't there. So he took her clothes and belongings to the U.S. Embassy after he had went to the police and told them, like, what had happened. So the three guys go to the embassy and ask what to do, but the police there aren't really much help either. Oh my gosh. I know. So in Nassau, which is where Lori's rental car was found, some areas are kind of not the best. There is definitely a lot of crime in those areas. They say it's really not somewhere tourists would go. Lori's family kind of wanted to maybe check it out a bit because, like, they were like, if somehow Lori managed to find her way down here, maybe something happened. Right. So the three did put up a lot of posters and, you know, flyers and taped them up just around the Bahamas and where Lori was. Newspapers, I think, did publish articles and, like, Bahamian news stations might have done some stories on it. Uh, Lori's brother did say that they were pretty helpful with getting the information out. Well, that's good, at least. Yeah. On August 5th, I think, um, 
like over two weeks after Lori went missing, someone came to the police station and they had Lori's purse. It was a man named Bruce who was a sanitation worker. And he told police that he had found the bag when he was doing his normal duties and looking like through trash cans and stuff like that. He saw the big brown leather purse and it definitely looked like out of place. So he looked in it and saw an address book and noticed the name Lori. He recognized the name from the posters that were taped up everywhere and he realized it was a missing person. So he took the bag to the police. He did say there were no keys or wallet in the purse. And police were very suspicious of Bruce. They wondered, like, what's his deal? Is this, like, a real story? And they actually kept him for 12 hours and searched his home. But Bruce was believable, cooperative, and he didn't have or say anything suspicious. And he was interviewed on the show. So, like, he was just kind of a normal sanitation worker doing his duties after all. So it was confirmed that it was Lori's bag? Yeah, it was her bag and it did have her address book in it, but it wasn't, it didn't have anything else. No keys or wallet. Dang. So one area that police did think about was Cabbage Beach. This was a beach, you know, down there where I guess... It must have been a little more, like, open. They said people drank openly down there, and I guess a lot of the construction workers would go down there and drink and stuff like that. So it seemed more of, like, a party-type beach from what some people had to say. And there was, like, one long walking path from the parking lot to the beach. So the three men go to this area and are looking at Cabbage Beach, seeing if they see any sight of Lori. And Richard said that they just had a really bad feeling when they got to that path that led from the beach to the parking lot. He said they felt very uncomfortable and they couldn't really say, you know, why. They just didn't want to, they didn't feel right and they left. And they told police that they wanted police to search the area. Mm Mm-hmm. But the police actually did not search that area. Why? What was their reason? I don't know. They just didn't at that time. (laughs) There was a bar called the Jungle Bar. And outside of this bar, a little girl found Lori's ID. And police went inside to question, you know, staff. And a waitress said that she remembered seeing Lori there around 11 Sunday night, which was before she had went missing mm-hmm. with some girls and they were just drinking and having fun, stuff like that. But the police can never like track anything down. You know, the the girls were saying this, but I don't think police can either track them down or nothing was coming from this. They were kind of piecing together where Lori was, but there was still nothing clear coming from any of this. Mm-hmm. There were reports of slavery trading in the Bahamas. Oh my God. Yeah, and this was definitely something that Lori's family was aware of and definitely concerned about. Eventually, though, the Bahamian authorities were not very happy that Lori's family was kind of down there openly passing out flyers and actively looking for her just because... 
The Bahamas' main source of money is tourism, and it was August, so it was, like, putting a little bit of a damper on tourism down there, I suppose, but... Well, okay, I don't really think so, because they're not implying that... I mean, they are implying that anything bad happened to her, but at the same time, she could just be on the island somewhere still, so I don't really think that it's fair to say that. A couple days into the guys being down there, the Lori's rental car was found in Nassau in an alleyway, but it was stripped clean of any prints on it or anything. They found nothing. What the hell? I know. So the three had been there for two weeks, but sadly they did have to return. I mean, they had families, you know, stuff like that, but they all just were really, really worried. They really thought maybe Lori something with the slavery theory that something bad had happened to her, obviously. Mm -hmm. As time went on, though, construction, like, continued on the resort. Tourism was continuing. Things were going back to normal. But the next month, just the next month, 23-year-old Maggie Conley, she's from Britain, she went to look for her friend Joanne on Cabbage Beach, who was sunbathing. They were supposed to meet up, and Maggie was running a couple minutes late, and she realized that Joanne wasn't where they said that they were going to meet. And Joanne's stuff wasn't there, where I guess her stuff had last been when Maggie left her. Hmm. Maggie thought that maybe her friend had gotten bored and went for a walk or something like that, but she had a really bad feeling that something was wrong. Oh, God. I'm scared. (laughs) Joanne was also a teacher, but she was from England, and she was visiting Maggie, who lived with a family in the Bahamas at the time, and she was being a nanny for this family. And when Maggie couldn't find Joanne, her and the family immediately, like, freaked out and started looking for her and just felt like something was not wrong. They searched. They got something. Something was wrong. He said that they felt like something was not wrong. (laughs) No, they definitely felt like something was wrong. (laughs) Yeah. It was indeed wrong. It's so strange that her stuff is gone, too. That it wasn't like her, just her items still left. All the things, like her bag and all the stuff she had was gone. So Maggie and the family she was staying with got police involved, and they all searched through the night. And they brought in air rescue. I don't know if it's the next day or in the next couple days, but Maggie went back to Cabbage Beach and continued looking for anything that can help find Joanne. And they are looking on the path that goes to the parking lot Mm -hmm. when a friend spots a blue cooler. And Maggie remembered that Joanne had had a blue cooler. Maggie and her friends were searching and one of them had a dog with them. And the dog was kind of, like, going crazy, leading the way, and it went into the bushes and was just, like, barking and going wild, and they actually were led to Joanne's body that was in the brush off the path that led off the beach. Oh, my gosh. That's so horrible that they, the friends, had to find that. It was, and if that wasn't bad enough, the dog was still 
not acting right after they found the body and nudging its owner to go forward and continued barking. And the group realized there was another body. <gasps> oh my God. Dun dun. Yeah. Is that Lori? She's nodding. <laughs> yeah. I need to take that. That is so horrible and tragic. Oh my God. And the family was there and they said they had a bad feeling where she was like found basically. Oh, I know. Isn't that the worst part? And they asked police to search the beach. I know. When police responded, it was clear that one body had been there for weeks. There were large rocks covering the bodies from head to foot, but you could see the foot and barely see the skull of the one body. And they said it was pretty badly decomposed. They couldn't tell if it was male or female, but the items nearby appeared to be female. When the family, when Lori's family was told of the bodies being found, they instantly just knew it was Lori. And a metal piece was found in one of the bodies, which had like a serial number on it, like a medical thing. And they tested the numbers and somehow it matched Lori, which I, it's crazy to me that they can do that. But that is- sadly, the family does have confirmation that Lori was killed on Cabbage Beach. Oh, my God. And I couldn't even imagine Joanne's friends and family looking for her and then... And finding her and, and then, then finding another body. Like, uh, he would be scarred for life. My heart just goes out to all of them. And who the hell did this? Like, potential serial killer. How much longer were they going to do this? I know. And Joanne had been strangled and sexually assaulted. The semen samples were taken from the body for DNA testing. Oh, wow. What a scumbag, horrible person. (laughs) At this point, the press was really like, they were laying into that it could be a serial killer, and people were very frightened, obviously. People were scared trying to avoid Cabbage Beach and definitely avoiding that path. A lot of people were just really upset and it was just like the u.s government was upset britain was upset you know oh my gosh like <laughs> everyone's upset obviously rightly so <laughs> but the family you know aj recalled that they were basically yards from Lori's body when they had been in the bahamas and they clearly asked the police to investigate and they did not damn So I think the police were definitely getting a lot of heat and kind of turned up their investigation at this point. I mean, not only are there two dead women, but yeah, they're taking heat from two different places. I mean, and justifiably so, because they should have searched that area. I mean, on one hand, I guess they could say that they couldn't search just based on a feeling. But on the other hand, they weren't really doing much in the investigation already. So that's like not very hard to do a day's worth of searching there. Yeah. And Bahamian authorities, like one guy on the show who interviewed did say that he they questioned, you know, could they have prevented this if they would have found her body and looked then. So I'm sure they feel bad about it. But I was thinking that, too, but I didn't want to say. it. Yeah. 
So law enforcement thought that the killer was going to be in construction because the rocks were placed on the bodies very specifically and neatly. They thought it would be a male in between the ages of 18 and 25. And so police go right back to Philippe. However, they find that Philippe is no longer living where he was. And he had quit his job and gone on a plane and moved home. What? However, he had done so the day... Hours before Joanne's disappearance. Is that weird? Whoa. So his flight left before Joanne disappeared. I guess so. Okay. Which I'm still like, hmm, that's weird. But I guess so. I don't know about you, Philippe. <laughs> Police decided to go back to the beach and interview local men who frequented the beach, construction workers, you know, anyone around there, question who they can. They notice one man has fresh scratches on his arm and face, and he is a construction worker from Nassau Village. Oh, where her car was found. He told police that he was in an altercation in a game room, and his name was Anton Tennell McIntosh. His mother was angry that police were questioning him and said that she believed that they needed a scapegoat and they questioned Anton because he was mentally slow, I believe is what they said. Oh. And friends and family really believed that he wouldn't hurt anybody. DNA was taken from all the men that were picked up and questioned, but all these men were released because, you know, they didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. However, DNA eventually came back and matched Anton to the DNA found on Joanne's body. <gasps> what? At this point, police search his home and they find Joanne's watch in his pocket, in one of his pockets. Oh my God. And I can't believe they found this man just from randomly searching through construction workers. Yeah, and like I just guess randomly he actually, like, he also sold coconuts, I think, on the beach, like, that sort of thing. So they're probably, like, he's, like, a vendor of sorts on the beach. Oh, he's a he's around that area as well. Yeah, they would, like, that's the type of people they were asking, like, people who frequented the beach, workers, I guess, in the area, people who were vendors, that sort of thing. Okay, they're redeeming themselves because that's some damn good detective. You yeah. have to find your person, like, on the ground searching for them without any tips. We're making up for it. When Anton was pressed about the DNA, he confessed to killing Joanne and Lori. Mm. Wow. And police said that he was not obligated to answer their questions or anything like that. But Anton said that he remembered what he did and he confessed. Police believe that Joanne's case was easier because there was DNA on her body and they were going to seek the death penalty, which means that there had to be a unanimous vote. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What was the motive? What well, did he say? Anton admitted that he he said that he was on Cabbage Beach the day that he saw Joanne and she was finishing up and making her way on the path to the parking lot. And he followed her out the path and dragged her in the bushes. He didn't really say why he did it. He just admitted to it. Ew, that is so horrifying. But even though he admitted this to police, what? he was found not guilty. 
of killing Joanne. Why? His DNA is on her and he gave a confession. What more do you need? Anton's lawyers somehow convinced the jury that the confession was like beaten or coerced out of Anton and that police wanted to pin it on Anton because they needed tourism up and running again and they wanted the case to be closed. I mean, I could see them saying maybe if he truly did have some mental challenges or something like that, I could see how someone like that could be swayed because that's happened before in many occasions. Like, wasn't that how the Memphis Three confessed because like things like that? So I could see that. But at the same time, what DNA doesn't lie. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I like to think that, but I'm like, can the results be manipulated? I don't know. Yeah. Did he talk about Lori's murder? Well, they try him for Lori's murder. And at first, it results in a hung jury because there wasn't any clear evidence. The second time, he's found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to, I think it was 20 to 25. You said that she had been assaulted, right? They couldn't tell. Lori's body had sadly been so decomposed that they couldn't tell how, uh, how she had died. I'm they sorry. They could tell that Joanne was assaulted, sexually assaulted. But even though they didn't have DNA from Lori, they still found him guilty. And prosecutors were able to show a videotaped interview with police in which Anton admitted to arguing with Lori after he was trying to sell her a coconut. And he said that she drank half of it and then refused to pay for it. So he got angry and hit her in the head with a rock. And Lori's family, I think, believes this because they think that Lori really was such a fighter that she would have fought him like crazy. So they think that he probably did knock her out with a rock or something and then kill her. What the hell? Over a coconut? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's just weird, though, because, but then it was, I mean, they showed the confession tapes, so he must have confessed, but then his family and friends said that he wouldn't hurt a fly. I don't know. I don't understand how you confessed to two different murders with two different stories, but I, like, I do know police forced people. I guess you would have to sit and watch the entire video front to start to think if the police did coerce them. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't there at the trial. I didn't see it, so who am I to say? But what I don't understand, though, is, like, truly the DNA matched. Like, can they send it somewhere else and test it again to confirm? I know. And someone on the show said that the jail that he was sentenced to is, like, really terrible and just awful, an awful place to be. So, yeah, it does all fit. Could they have looked? I wish so bad they could have found out who was making purchases with her credit card. And, like, did he have cash on him? I wonder if they would have found cash or counted the bills if it would have matched what was taken out. I know, but I guess they also said they found, like, Joanne's watch on him. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sold. I don't understand how you can have all these different things. The DNA is a coincidence and the watch is a coincidence. Yeah, and Anton's mom was interviewed on the show, and she totally believes her son is innocent. That's the only reason why I'm raising any doubt. And I did read an article that said there was a lot of frustrations with the Bahamian legal system in the early 2000s. In this case, he was tried, I think, in 2002 or something like that. 
So I know there was like a lot of frustration just with the legal system during that time. I'm not saying that has anything to do with if he's guilty or not, because clearly he was found guilty. So what do you think? I think it all adds up. I mean, I think so, too. I don't like I don't have a reason to believe that the police would place her watch on him and lie about the DNA evidence and coerce him into a confession. Like, it's on tape. I feel like you would maybe be able to see signs of being coerced if it if it's on tape. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. It's tough, but, like, I do think that as of now, the facts show that he did it, and until something comes out otherwise, I don't think that, like, there's too many things saying that he did it. I totally agree, and I do think it's, and it's really sad, you know, Joanne's family didn't get any justice, though. Joanne's family didn't get any justice, which is awful. They can't try him again? I don't know how the Bahamian legal system works, to be honest, but at least Joanne's family got some closure. They did say that Lori's funeral was so big, they had to have two funerals. Yeah. And AJ ended up scattering Lori's remains at a beach that they both enjoyed. I believe in the Virgin Islands where, you know, he thinks she would really enjoy it there. So clearly just really, really sad. Both women, two teachers, two young teachers on vacation for no reason. No reason whatsoever. It's like this was the same as last week. These murders when people are just killed for no reason at all is so horrifying because you just of course you feel so bad for them and the families and then at the other like another point you think about yourself and you're like if that could happen to someone walking down the path at the beach that could happen to me or my friends or family like and I think one of the creepiest things to me too is that those both happened in daylight like Joanne and Lori Lori's killings I know Joanne did. I'm pretty sure Lori did too. Happened in daylight, which is so creepy thinking you would just be walking and like someone would snatch you up. Someone would have the confidence to do that and not get yeah. caught. Like you're so brazen to do something like that. I do think Philippe's behavior is a little suspicious, but then again, he did call Lori's mom and even report her missing in the first place. So. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Maybe people wouldn't have even really known who he was if he didn't call Lori's mom. But, like, if it's confirmed for sure that his flight left prior to Joanne disappearing, then I think that you could cross him out because it's you know, definitely the same person who killed them. Like, right. There's and, no way. And you have to be on a plane. You would have to be at the airport pretty early in the day for him to go and kill Joanne. Like, I'm sure they confirmed the times wouldn't match up. And what reason would he have to do that? Yeah, and I'm sure a lot, basically, I bet like 75% of the men on the island at that time were construction workers. If they're building a resort, like, there's Mm going to be a lot of construction workers, so... I don't know. And I mean, maybe he left because the police are breathing down his neck and he didn't do anything. I don't know. True. It's just, this case sucks. It's just so tragic. These past two cases were just so tragic. Again, like we said, people being murdered for no reason on vacation. 
It's brutal. It's so hard to understand. It's so hard to comprehend how anyone could do that to another person so easily and then continue on with their life. Like, that's what scares me the most. You just continue on like a normal person. And the families are out there with their hearts broken and someone else is just living their life. Like, it's so unfair and sad. And these episodes are really tragic. But I do think that the victims, again, deserve to have their stories be told. Like, those two women were teachers and I'm sure it impacted a lot of lives. So, I agree. And another thing that's crazy, like, always trust your gut. Because clearly all these guys had, like, a gut feeling that something was wrong with that path Mm -hmm. and i mean it's not their job to freaking investigate they're not the police but it's just crazy they knew wow well i'm definitely going to thank you for telling that case it was a good one no problem definitely going to be watching that show that i that show on id I know. I was like, I'm going to have to keep watching this one. It's pretty good. It's on the app. Now that it's summer, I bet they add new episodes. They always have. this. That other show, the one, like, Cruise Murders or something. Hmm. That one's good. I know that one. No, you showed it to me. The one where the cover is like a boat or something going by and there's blood in the water. I swear you showed it to me and it was good. I used to like that one. It was like dark waters. Maybe it was that's all what... ones about water themed. That's what I'm thinking. <sighs> I hope so. I love that show. Well, let us know what you guys thought of this episode. Let us know what shows on ID you were watching. Let us know what summer shows you were watching and... We hope you guys are having a great summer so far. We do. And as always, all respect to everyone in this episode, all the families involved. We know this is a pretty heinous one. So we just want to say we hope they're all healing. And, you know, we tell these stories just with respect in mind. (laughs) But we hope you guys are all having a great summer. And if there's any specific types of stories or anything you guys want us to cover, just let us know and we will definitely do so. Yeah, I think next episodes we're going to have to do something lighter. Something paranormal. (laughs) My heart feels heavy. (laughs) Same. I feel sad. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Hey, That's Creepy Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at Ew, That's Creepy Podcast. Or send us an email at Ew, That's Creepy Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.